Hello, what is up? Welcome to THC or Truly High Crime. My name is Kimmy and every week I will be smoking and telling you a true crime story. I just want to say thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It means the world that you've chose to come and just like sit and listen to what I'm doing. Well, you're probably not just sitting. That you've chose to listen to me talk about a true crime case while you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. If you're driving or you're cleaning or you're sitting or you're smoking, whatever it is, I love that you have allowed me to do it with you. If you like what you hear today, please follow the podcast on social media at Truly High Crime or don't. It's up to you, but um, I would really like it and appreciate it if you did. Um, also, you can subscribe and leave a rating and a review. It would really mean the world to me. Even if you hate me, you can leave me five stars and you can tell me why you hate me. And then I won't do anything to fix it unless it's good constructive criticism. Then I will take it to heart and I will appreciate it or don't once again, but I would like it if you did. Anyway, today's story is an absolute fucking doozy. I also want to say that we believe women on this podcast. And with that being said, I do want to give a little trigger warning for domestic violence, sexual abuse, and rape. I'm not going to get into the details of it at all. I'm just going to kind of explain very briefly what happened and why it pertains to the case. I don't really need to get into it. If you're interested, you can look it up, but I'm not going to talk about it here. So today we're going to be talking about Lorena and John Bobbitt. If you have never heard this story, then get ready. And if you have, then let's revisit this and tell it from Lorena's perspective the way it deserves to be told. All right, buckle up. Let's get right into it. Lorena Bobbitt was born as Lorena Gallo in Ecuador on Halloween of 1970. So she's a Scorpio, just like me. I think we would have so much in common and I want to be her friend so badly. She moved to the U.S. at age 18 and she became a manicurist. Um, and right when she got here, pretty much she met this man named John Wayne Bobbitt in 1989 at the same time that Taylor Swift was being born. And they dated for like 10 months, hardly any time at all and they got married right away. Their marriage was straight up bad in every way possible. I also refuse to call him John Wayne because I hate that a lot. So I'm just gonna call him John. Um, I don't like him at all. He's a garbage man and not just because of how fucking terrible he was to Lorena and what he did, but also just like watch any video of him and you'll know exactly what I mean. Like all you have to do is look at how he carries himself and how he presents himself and how to this day he still thinks he's the victim and how he's capitalized off of this. He is just not a good person and we'll get more into it later and you'll agree with me. And if you don't, then you're probably not a good person either. Anyway, Lorena got married pretty much right out of high school and she later said that she was super naive and she really didn't know anything and her upbringing was super strict. So she didn't have any experience really before John and so he was like her first everything because before this she had that super strict upbringing where she would have to have like adult chaperones with her on dates and she wasn't allowed to have premarital sex and there was like absolutely no tolerance of divorce or of abortion. So whoever she met and ended up with, she was raised and believed that that's who she was to spend the rest of her life with, which um, we can go into the dangers of the Catholic Church at another time, but she was raised with that in her. So like that's how she went into this marriage. John, on the other hand, was a very heavy drinker and he was violent and he spent money that 
they did not have. He would hit Lorena and he would just have really like terrifying violent episodes where he would freak out on her and he would break stuff and he would hurt her. And the neighbors would later talk about how she always had bruises on her, which is just so heartbreaking because if you see that, why don't you do something? And this is the early 90s. So they got married in like 91 or something like that. No, 89. I already said that. They got married in 89 when Taylor Swift was being born. All this bad stuff was happening. But it just makes me so sad to hear that like neighbors would know that she has bruises on her and nobody's going to do anything about it. But it was a different time. It's just so terrible. I wish we never had to have that different time. And also it's not really treated anymore seriously now. So anyway, she really just thought that the relationship that she was in was love. She didn't know any better. And she later said that every time that he said that he was sorry, she really believed that he meant that and that he was sorry and that he wouldn't do it again because that's what her upbringing raised her to believe. And she just believed that. She was so young too, like unbelievably young. Like the whole incident happened when she was 24. So she was like 1920 at this time, which is unreal. But despite how terrible their marriage was, it was still pretty shocking when John Bobbitt showed up at the hospital with his penis cut off. For the pure reason that I just need it before I tell this story, I am going to take a quick smoke break. So John Bobbitt wakes up to having his penis cut off, which I mean, it would, it would scare anybody. Like that would kind of be a shocking moment for anybody, but he goes and he wakes his friend up who was sleeping like out on the floor or something who he had gotten drunk with that night. He goes and wakes him up and makes him drive him to the hospital. So he gets to the emergency room. He's dripping in blood. It's like four o'clock in the morning and the doctors are like, what is going on? They just see this man covered in blood and they figure that it's like coming out of his arm or something like where most injuries come from, you know, like somewhere normal. Um, but he was like, no, 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 no. Like, it's not my arm. And he like dropped the sheet that he was wearing and he didn't have a penis. So that would be um, shocking, like I said, for anybody, both to um, be the one without the penis and be the one who sees the scene. Um, I, I couldn't imagine. And for some reason I looked up crime scene pictures and I, I don't recommend it. Um, if you watch the documentary Lorena on Amazon, you'll see some pictures. Um, but anyway, somebody at the hospital calls the police dispatcher and they're like, Hi, we need you guys to send some officers. There's somebody here who has been harmed by his wife. And they knew really like what was going on. Like they knew that she had cut his penis off, but they didn't want to say it over the police scanner because they knew that like somebody would hear it and then it would just immediately the news media would get involved, people would get involved, and it would just ruin the investigation. So they wanted to keep it on the DL for as long as possible because they knew that once it got out, it was going to be fucking crazy. So now it is somebody's job to drive around and find a penis that was cut off and thrown out of a window of a moving vehicle. But at that time, they didn't know that it had been thrown out of the moving vehicle. So they were just like looking wherever would be normal to look. So they went to John's house. They went to John and Lorena's apartment. So they were looking all around for the penis. And in the Amazon documentary series, um, Lorena, the cop said that they looked in the dishwasher for it, which I think that's so fucking funny. Can you imagine looking in a dishwasher and finding a penis or like opening the drawer, like looking through the silverware, looking for just a severed penis and like looking in the trash can? Ugh. 
Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> anyway, they didn't find the penis, but they did find a bunch of pamphlets about how to leave an abusive marriage. So there's that. Now, the clock is like kind of ticking back at the hospital because they don't really know that this man is terrible. They just know that his penis has been cut off and they need to either find it and reattach it or perform another surgery because he had lost a third of his blood, which is like, that's a lot of blood. So essentially the whole situation was if they could find the penis, they could reattach it. But if they don't, they would have to do a surgery where he would have to like sit down and pee for the rest of his life. So for one thing, he would survive. He's fine either way. He just might not have a penis, which if he's a rapist, I don't really care, but we'll get there. Also, I think it would be so funny because he's very hyper-masculine. It would be so funny if for the rest of his life, he would have to sit down and pee like a woman because it would just be a slap in the fucking face. And I hate this man. And I just want to clarify that I don't think it would be emasculating for him to sit down and pee. I think it would be convenient and good for him and it literally doesn't matter. But because of how terrible of a person John Bobbitt is, that would be like the worst punishment ever for him. So I think it's funny. But ultimately they end up finding it and reattaching it, but we will get there later. I want to talk about whose story really matters, which is Lorena's. So it's June 23rd, 1993. It's the night that it happened. And John came home drunk at three o'clock in the morning and Lorena was already in bed and she woke up to him slamming the door shut and she knew that when he was drunk, that's when he got violent and that's when it was always the worst. So she just tried to go back to sleep um, and I'm just going to say there's a trigger warning right now for rape. I'm not going to get into the details, but it is about to happen. So she woke up to him drunk, trying to take off her clothes. And she said, I don't want to have sex with you. And he then silenced her and then he raped her. So then after John had fallen asleep, he passed out drunk next to her. Lorena got up and went to the kitchen to just drink some water and like try to get back into herself. And it's a traumatizing moment. And she said that the light from the refrigerator like lit up the knife block. And she said, the first thing I saw was the knife. So her first instinct after this traumatic incident that happens to her so regularly, she grabbed this big ass knife and she went into their bedroom and she sliced his penis off. So this way he could never rape her again, which to me just kind of feels like an okay punishment. I don't know. At that point, Lorena left the apartment with the penis in one hand and the knife in another hand and she just started driving away. She said that she was having a hard time driving, so she threw the penis out the window, which is funny as fuck to picture. Like, good for her. She was like, I was driving past the 7-Eleven, and I realized that I was having a hard time driving with all these things in my car, so I just threw the penis out the window into an open field. <laughs> and I was, like, thinking about it, and I was like, was it, like a hard penis? Was it soft? Like, what are we dealing with here? What did they have to look for? Because you'd think it'd be easier to find if it was hard, but... I don't know. That's just me. But I looked it up and I thought it would maybe be censored, but it wasn't. And it was, I think it was soft, but we're later going to get into how he had a small penis, which is fine. I am not body shaming, but we're going to get into it because it's part of the story. I just think it's funny that she threw a penis out of the window into an open field. She says that that whole night was a blur and she doesn't remember cutting the penis off, but she also doesn't deny it at all. Like she knows that she did it but she was so traumatized and she was just blacked out. So she just doesn't remember it. 
Thorana said that she felt so out of place and so crazy and just like traumatized from everything that had just happened that the only place she thought to go was to work. So she just started driving to where she worked. She went to go think that she was doing nails. And this is a quote. She said, in my mind, I was just going to go and do nails. That's how crazy and insane the whole situation was. So like, obviously this is a traumatized woman and this all like happened. Like she's not making it up. She was honest. She like is traumatized. <laughs> So her boss at the nail salon, like, probably got, like, a security alert. It was, like, somebody's at your salon. So they talked, and her boss was like, you need to call the police, and you need to make sure that they know that he abuses you so that at least that's documented and that's down on paper, which that's a good friend. I have, like, mixed feelings about her boss. Um, Lorena, like, really, like, likes her and was like, you're my good friend and I admire you. I think... I mean, Lorena was isolated from everybody. The only person she saw was her boss. She probably just thought that that was her best friend because that's the only option she had. So she listened to her friend. She listened to her boss and she called the cops and she told them what happened and she told them where they could find his penis. And she was not trying to hide anything. She was like, I did it. His penis is in the field. Also, sorry, I didn't mean to hurt anybody. So the cops went to find the penis. But once again, I just want to talk about what happened with Lorena. So she was arrested that night and she was charged with malicious wounding. And when she was at the station, she was obviously still traumatized. And when she was talking about what had happened throughout the whole night, she said something along the lines of how John is selfish in bed and how he doesn't wait for her to orgasm. And this was later used against her because it, quote, doesn't sound like the statement of a woman who has been raped, end quote. And to that I say, shut the fuck up, because obviously none of us know the full situation, but if somebody's entire sex life is molded around being raped by their husband, you're going to have a really, really warped sense of reality and you're going to have a really bad relationship with sex. And you're going through so much psychological damage that you're just going to start viewing rape as what's normal. And not only was she being raped, but she also never got to enjoy sex. So I think for one thing, that was a perfectly normal for thing for her to say. For another, there's also a language barrier. She had just recently started learning English. There was no translator there. There was nothing there to help her. She had no lawyer. There was nothing. She's also traumatized beyond belief. Like, you're just, at that point, you're just trying to say anything that makes sense, anything that can be a sentence. Like, when you've gone through that much and you don't want to say it either, like, you just don't want to say what's happened. So I really do not give a fuck that she said that. And also, fuck you, John. I hate you. Lorena also said, like, later in life that she wished that there was a translator there. And so do I. And it just is so unfortunate. And she also said, I was probably saying things that I didn't mean because of the trauma. And she was still learning English. Like, so many things weren't there to help her the way they should have been. And I am fucking fuming. I need a smoke break. So, as it would, this case goes absolutely humongous in the media and in tabloids and on trash TV and talk shows across the country and across the world. Like, it's that time in the 90s where the 24-hour news cycle is new still, and it's just people, like, ate this shit up, and, like, court TV was a thing, and it was a very easy case to sensationalize, but not for the right reasons. It was because his penis was cut off, and not because a woman was so badly abused for so long that she was driven to cut a penis off. 
It was just made into a more sensationalized joke and John was looked at as this, oh, you poor thing, rather than looked at like Lorena was the victim. Men and women saw the case entirely differently, as you could probably guess. Men were like, how could she do that to him? That's the one thing that makes him a man. Like, it's so disgusting. Like, the toxic masculinity that, like, oozes out of these people, it's so gross. And, like, I was reading, like, people who supported John and, like, thought that he was a victim and, like, talked about how, oh, it was so sad. How could he live without his penis? Like, that's, it's so insane. Like, why don't you actually just, like, hold your friends accountable and think, like, why were you raping her? Maybe you should get your penis cut off. And there was people that say, like, I don't think rape is a good thing, but I think that you should be punished equally and that's not equal. And it's like, you've never been raped, so you don't know what an equal punishment for rape would be. You don't know, like, maybe not physically it's not the same, but for one thing, it feels like it. And for another, it is the most psychologically damaging thing that you can go through. Like, fuck you. God, I hate the men everywhere. I was going to say the men that rule the country, but it's more just men as a system and in general as a whole. Women, on the other hand, and survivors of sexual assault and people who could, um, like, I don't know, have a touch of empathy were like, okay, but how is Lorena? Is she okay? Does she need help? What did she go through to cause her to do that? Like, obviously somebody just doesn't do this out of the middle of nowhere and we should listen to her story and maybe we should believe it. Like, this was the early 90s. It was before OJ. It was before any of that. It was the first big televised, not the first, it was one of the first big televised cases. It was everywhere and the trials were on court TV, like I said, like it was huge. Everybody was talking about it everywhere. Okay, so John was also charged with marital sexual abuse and you might be wondering why wasn't he charged with rape if she said that he raped her? And the answer is because in Virginia at the time where they were, rape could only apply to couples who A, didn't live with each other or B, if the victim was seriously injured. So because Lorena didn't walk away with injuries and because they live together, it's not rape. It's just marital sec, marital, what is it? Marital sexual abuse. Like fucking disgusting. I hate that. It's just, it's enraging. So John couldn't technically be charged with rape. And just a quick update about his penis since we haven't gotten there yet. I know you're probably thinking about it. They did find it and they brought it back. They went to the 7-Eleven and they got ice <laughs> and they put it in like a hot dog bag with ice and the penis was fine and it took like nine and a half hours, but they reattached it and then it worked like normal. So really he went through a traumatic event for one night that he kind of deserved, really deserved. And then he was fine for the rest of his life and he capitalizes off of it. So I don't feel bad for John Bobbitt. The case had been sensationalized for months before John's trial had started. So it was really hard to find a jury that hadn't been already tainted by everything, that hadn't already been following what was going on. They didn't move the trial out of where they were from because they were like, there's nowhere we can go that hasn't heard about this. So we might as well just keep it local. But it was really fucking crazy. They tried to keep the courtroom calm. They like had a couple systems in place, but it was really chaotic and crazy at a time. And my heart, once again, just breaks for Lorena because she went through this traumatic event and now she's going to have to testify on live TV to try to get him to go to jail for what he did to her. This is not even the trial for what she did to him. So 
this has just got to be super traumatizing. Here is a quote from Lorena that I think encompasses how badly she was abused by him. She said, quote, testifying against him was very off because he was still my husband. We weren't divorced yet. At the time, looking at him, I was very intimidated because I thought, oh God, he's going to come grab me or choke me, end quote. So in a courtroom full of people and full of officers, she was still terrified that he was going to kill her. Like, I can't imagine how scary it must have been to be alone with him and to live with him. Like, bitch, cut his penis off. Do it again. I don't care. Can I do it? Can I help you? I don't care. I, I want to help you. The night that it happened, Lorena had had a rape kit done and it showed that she did have sex that night. So, aka, she was raped that night. But John denied that they had sex at all. So it sounds to me like he's trying to cover something up. So that sounds like rape. During her testimony, Lorena was like very emotional. She was raw. She just said what happened. Like she just was like straight up with the story and what happened and she cried and her voice was shaking. And you could just tell that she was traumatized. Obviously, she was a victim. And John, on the other hand, took the stand and he came off like a mean, arrogant asshole who just couldn't keep his story straight. He was literally lying left and right. He lied about everything. And I also think it was because he's an alcoholic. He doesn't remember a lot of this shit, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he has raped her many times that he just doesn't remember because he's an alcoholic. So he would just tell different stories over and over again. One time he said that she did it because she loved him so much. And then later he was like, there's no way she loves me at all if she did this to me. Like he just would go back and forth with everything. And yet despite all of this, John was acquitted on the marital sexual assault charges. So he did not get jail time. He didn't get punished at all. He just went back to living his normal life. And over the next few months before Lorena's trial was set to start, John was told to just lay low. His lawyers were like, please don't do anything. The media is just going to follow you. You don't need to get in more trouble because they just knew he was bound to because he's a fucking dumbass. So obviously, because he's a fucking dumbass, he did the opposite of that. John was like, actually... I'm going to go to Colorado Springs and I'm going to go to the Hooters there because they're having this John Wayne Bobbitt lookalike contest and I think that I could win it. And his lawyers were like, and I really hoped he didn't go and yet he went. This man is fucking insane. Like literally psychopathic, insane. Like what is wrong with you? How can you still be a person who wants to function in society? How can you want to capitalize off of this if you're actually so traumatized by what happened to you. I just, I hate this man very much. He ended up being a judge in the John Wayne Bobbitt lookalike contest, of course. So he ended up going. It ended up being a media circus. Once again, he was in the limelight. He wasn't supposed to be. It didn't look good for him either. So we have that. I mean, that's good to me, probably to you too. At least I hope. A few weeks later, um, Lorena's trial started and I just want to give a trigger warning because when we go into this, I'm not going to give the graphic details about how he attacked her throughout their marriage, but this is pretty heavy and it's hard stuff, but it's important to the case. Um, I'm just going to mention it in passing. There's not going to be any graphic details. So once again, just like John's trial, Lorena's trial was humongous in the media, but like amplified by a billion. Like John's trial was just the warm up because Lorena is the one that cut the penis off. This is the one that sadly the people cared about more. Um, for another, it was like John's was literally just people getting excited for Lorena's trial. Like it was like that was people were like, okay, we'll come over for appetizers. And then for Lorena, they were like, okay, now what are we ordering for dinner? And it 
fucking sucks because Lorena deserved more help. But actually, she did get help this time around. There was a group of Latina women that would stand outside of the courthouse to cheer Lorena on when she went into and left the courtroom every day. So they would stand out there all day and they would be like, yeah, you got this, Lorena, like before she went in the morning and they would cheer her on and they would like, you know, just be supportive, amazing women. And they would do the same thing when she left every single day. The National Organization of Women um, was also there to stand by Lorena because also, this case really, really helped open up the conversation surrounding domestic violence and sexual assault. Like before this, this was all hush-hush. Like nobody really talked about how a husband could rape a wife. That wasn't heard of. Like if you're together, how is it rape? That's how people thought, which is so disgusting. And it's really sad because people still think that way today. It's heartbreaking. But um, thankfully, we've kind of I don't know if you just heard that thud. It was my cat falling in the sink. Anyway, um, thankfully, we've kind of come a little bit of a way in some time. But this case really, really helped start that conversation up. And I just give Lorena so much credit for going through this so publicly. And it just... Ugh. She amazes me. So the then executive vice president of the National Organization of Women was there. Her name was Kim Gandhi. We had the same name, except don't call me Kim. My name is Kimmy. Um, and this is a quote from her. She says, domestic violence was the silent killer of women. And this was a chance to refocus people on what was really at stake here and why she acted out and whether it was being protected by the laws of Virginia, end quote. And she's damn fucking right because she wasn't protected by the laws of Virginia. She had been being raped and abused for years, which we later find out was documented, but the systems in place didn't protect her. Her husband couldn't legally have raped her because they were married and that just didn't happen. In her mind, there was nothing else that she could do. And this case opened the eyes of so many people to show them that this stuff happened. And I'm sure it inspired so many women who were going through the same thing maybe not inspired them to cut their abuser's penis off, but might have inspired them to leave or get help and show them that they're not alone. Like, this had to have been empowering for a lot of women. And I just admire Lorena so much. Anyway, also, the National Organization of Men was there to defend John, which is so fucking dumb and just gross. And they were like, they took his manhood away. Like, shut the fuck up, Chad. Like, get over it. Like, if you really think that a man is a man because he has a penis, then you need so much therapy. Anyway. Also, why is there a national organization of men? Like, when there's, they literally run the whole world. Like, isn't that enough for them? You have everything else. Why do you have to have a national organization as well? You have, like, the U.S. government. You have that. Also, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile showed up, which I absolutely hate. I think Lorena said it best. She said, quote, these people making fun of things, they seem to miss everything, end quote. And she's exactly right. Like, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile showing up is like, okay, in theory, seeing that is just like funny and weird, but she was abused so badly and you're gonna just go and profit off of it? There was people selling t-shirts. There was like local people making t-shirts. Like, because the town was like small and there was nothing there and they thought to capitalize off of it. Like, I just can't believe that it just baffles me. Like you're going to take this woman's trauma and then go stand in front of her traumatizing court case and profit off of it. It's incredible. It's 
disgusting. So now, since both cases happened in the same county, they actually had the same prosecutor, which was super problematic at the time. A lot of people were like, get them a different prosecutor, because Paul Ebert was the one who prosecuted John a couple months before, and now he was also the person trying to convict Lorena. So a couple months ago, he was trying to get John in jail for abusing Lorena, and he was sad that he lost that. And now a couple months later, he's trying to be the one to get Lorena in jail for cutting off John's penis. So if he was a good man, in his little heart of hearts, he probably didn't want to convict her. He probably wanted John to get the guilty verdict in the first place for raping her, which he says that he went in objectively, which, okay, you can say that all you want, but you're a human with feelings. At least I hope so. Lorena's defense ended up pleading not guilty by reason of insanity because they had a psychiatrist testify that Lorena had PTSD um, because she had been assaulted for hundreds of times. She had just been living this nightmare. And after reliving this nightmare over and over and over again, she saw the knife and then she thought that that was the only answer. She thought, this will be the end of my trauma. I can just cut it off and it'll be over. And that she went into like a little bit of a psychosis. Lorena also took the stand again. She's so fucking strong. I love this bitch. Such a badass. And she testified about all of the times that John had attacked her. He, she testified about all the times that he raped her. He beat her. He had threatened to kill her. And she talked about all of it. And she just talked. And the lawyer would just ask the questions and she would tell the stories. And it just breaks your heart to hear. I'm not even going to get into it because it's just absolutely disgusting and heartbreaking. John Bobbitt is a gross man and you can take my word on it. Two of her friends also had taken a stand and they told very detailed and graphic stories about times that they remember John getting violent with Lorena. And I just hope that these friends tried to help her, tried to take her in, tried to show her other resources, tried to tell her that that wasn't normal. I really hope so because she needed somebody. And if these friends couldn't at least try, I understand that abusive relationships, I understand if they tried and Lorena was like, no, he loves me and they did their best. I get that. But I just hope that she had good friends by her side. During the trial, it also came out that John was not only super duper cheap and like didn't let Lorena do anything for herself, but he also didn't have a job. And he was, like I've been saying, an extreme alcoholic. And I want you to think about this for a second. Lorena was only 22 to 23 years old. I am saying that as a 21 year old, that literally makes me so fucking sad. She was going through this abuse. She was working her ass off to not only pay their bills, but also pay for all of his terrible habits. And anytime she would do anything for herself, she would be beat and abused. I, it literally breaks my heart so much to think about. And people still think that John is a victim. Like, what's wrong with you? Disgusting. What is wrong with you? She was doing her nails. She was doing other people's nails. She was working her ass off to pay all the bills and to keep him drinking just for him to keep abusing her. And she ended up stealing a lot of money because they needed it. And then she also ended up stealing dresses from Nordstrom because John would tell her that she wasn't pretty. And she said that, she said, quote, I just wanted to be pretty for him. Like, are you serious? And it just breaks my heart to think about, like, the way she was raised and how she was like, this is my husband. I love him. He must love me. Like, this is my only choice. And I just want to look pretty for him. I want to be enough for him. Like, you're so young and that's all you know. Oh my God, it breaks my heart. <sighs> Ugh, okay. 
He was also making constant like racist remarks towards her and talking about how she couldn't speak English. And he would say like, if you leave me, you'll lose your green card, which wasn't true. She wasn't there on a green card. Um, he was lying and manipulating her and abusing her. Um, it was disgusting. So she testified to all of this. And then John took the stand and Lorena's lawyers remembered how fucking terrible he was in his own trial. So they were like, let's just, let's just let him go up there. Let's let him fuck it up a little bit. Let's let him make himself look like an asshole because he does that pretty well. And he did. His new story was that Lorena cut his dick off because he wanted to get a divorce and Lorena was sad about it. But guess what? It was very easy to debunk under cross-examination because it had actually been Lorena who had documented that she wanted a divorce. Her friend had told her to get a tape recorder and record the terrible things that he had been doing to her so that she could show that to a lawyer. Um, and so she did. She got a tape recorder and she recorded him, but John found out and that ended, I'm guessing you could figure out how, terribly. Um, and nothing really came from it because then she was once again terrified. So this story was, like I've been saying, huge in the news. Everybody was talking about it, especially locally, like it was giant. Lorena said she couldn't go anywhere without being talked about or like hearing somebody say her name or hearing people talk about her. And initially she did want to stay private, which is like legally her rights because she's the victim of a sex abuse. Um, So legally she could have kept her name private, which she wanted to do, but um, under the advice of her lawyer at the beginning of it, she had hired a publicist. So then the media was like, oh, well, she has a publicist, so it's fine if we publish her name. But that wasn't her intentions at all. So that also really sucks that she was just like kind of subjected to this unwillingly. And she handled it with such dignity. And she is just like, I keep repeating, amazing and inspiring. And I just ugh, admire her so much. So the jury deliberated for six hours, but when they came back, they found Lorena not guilty by reason of insanity. Thank God. But because they pled insanity, Lorena had to be placed under psychiatric evaluation like right away. And she was really confused. She was like, okay, well, if I'm not guilty, why are you taking me through all these like backside doors? Why am I still in custody? Why can't I leave? And she said, quote, I just wanted to go home and fall asleep, end quote. And I think we all know that feeling, but to be feeling it on the scale that she was, and then instead to not get to go home and to be in your own bed, she was then taken to this weird hospital where she had to be evaluated for 45 days, which honestly, I'm very happy that she got the therapy that she really, really, really needed. Um, I think like the normal average everyday person should get therapy. So I especially think that it's good that Lorena got therapy after everything that she went through. Um, I hope that she did for a long time because like she needs it and it will help her so much. And she's gone through so much. She's so strong. It would just help her. Um, therapy is amazing. If you're not in therapy, get in therapy right now. Let me be the voice in your head. I don't have a better help sponsor yet. But if I did, I would tell you to use it because therapy is literally the best thing that you could ever ask for. Because John Babbitt is the absolute worst, because he can't ever shut the fuck up, because he was broke and he had to figure out a way to get some money, he ended up trying to capitalize off of this whole situation as much as he could. 
he was on Howard Stern all the time and just saying disgusting things. There was like this gross SNL cold open about the case. It was gross. I only watched like the first 30 seconds and I was like, no, this is not good. Um, he also did like this giant press tour where he did a bunch of talk shows and just stupid shit. And it's like, why? Who wants to talk to John Wayne Bobbitt? I hate that I just called him John Wayne because I hate him. But actually, a lot of people wanted to talk to him. He was like a prized guest and he was, it was gross. And every single time he would claim he was innocent, he was just gross. And then he started stripping and he also did a few pornos. The first one was called Uncut, which... I hate, and I might have watched it, but we will talk more about that after this smoke break. I really don't want to admit this, and I don't even want to talk about it, but I did skim through this porno. I looked it up and I just skimmed right through it. And it's really bad. It's in poor taste. It's disgusting and gross. It's also John Bobbitt. So it's just disgusting. And it's also really bad porn. Porn before the internet is so weird. Like you had to actually go to the store and buy it. Like you, you went to the local adult mart like and bought that's just weird to me. Um, he was also really, really bad at like everything. And there was like, it was just really awkward because of how bad he was. Like they didn't really even try to hide that and he needs to learn a couple things. I honestly genuinely feel bad for the girls that were in this movie with him because it just looked genuinely not enjoyable at all. Anyway, in 1994, he was charged with hitting his then fiance um, and for it, he was sentenced to 15 days in jail, which is great. Actually, I don't know what his sentence was. I think it might have been 60, but he served 15 days in jail. After that, he was sentenced to probation for a theft that he was a part of in 1999. And then in 2003, he went to prison for violating the probation on that charge. That same year, he was arrested on battery charges with his ex-wife and then later on was arrested two more times for charges of battery against her. So that's three times against his third wife. Um... What a terrible person. I hate him very much. He did another porno. It was called like Frankenstein. I don't fucking know. I don't care. I don't like him. I don't even, it was gross. I don't even want to think about it or talk about it. So after he was arrested, he got penis enlargements because he did have a small penis. And like I said, that's fine. It literally does not matter what size your penis is. But I feel like it's always the men that have small dicks that are super insecure about it that end up acting out. And so I just want to let you guys know that you don't have to do that. Like, it's not necessary. You can just learn how to be good with it. Like, it's just not necessary. So anyway, John Bobbitt got this penis enlargement, but they botched it, which I think is so fucking funny. And he said it was just like not right and it wasn't good anymore. So then he had to get another surgery to fix it. And it's, it's just funny as shit. I don't, I think that's funny. And I can laugh about it because he's trash and absolute garbage. But onto the real person, Queen Lorena, that we care about here, she went back to living by her birth name, and she goes by Lorena Gallo, and she just kept living in the area. She was like, I figured wherever I go, somebody's gonna know me, so I might as well just stay where all my friends are and stay where I know the area. And once again, I love you, girl. She went back to school and she met this man named David and they are not married, but they've been together for like a long time. Like they're like lifetime partners, like over 20 years. She calls him her life partner and they have a daughter together. 
And I just love that for her because I too wouldn't get married after that last traumatic shit show. Like, keep things for yourself. Keep your last name. Do things for you, girl, because that's who you got in the end. And if that's not even the reason you're doing it, then whatever your reason is, I love it and I support it. So she continued working as a manicurist and she also um, was a hairstylist and she also got her real estate license. So just so many things, so well-rounded. I love her. And in 2007, she founded um, what was called Lorena's Red Wagon, which is now called the Lorena, Gall Lorena Gallo Foundation. And its mission is to, quote, expand domestic violence and sexual assault prevention education and provide emergency response resources and community engagements for survivors and their children, end quote, which is so powerful. Like, what a wonderful thing to then grow from your trauma and turn it into. And like, I could never do this. I give her so much credit. I know I already said this, but it's just so powerful because if this were me, and I feel like this is a lot of the situations a lot of the time, which no shade at all, because it would also be me, I would be a very struggling person after all of this trauma. I don't think I'd be able to come back from it. And not only did she come back from it, she continued living her life. She did her thing and she made a fucking legacy out of it. And now she makes it a point to talk about things. And she talks about the Me Too movement and she's a leader of the Me Too movement. And she tells her story to shed light on domestic violence and why it's important to address it. And I, she's just so powerful. I would love to have lunch with her someday. I think I've said that already. I don't care. I This whole episode is literally just me fangirling over how much I want to meet Lorena and I want to tell her how powerful she is. And even with coronavirus, with the pandemic, um, well, there was a Lifetime movie that came out. It was called I Was Lorena Bobbitt um, and it came out in May. And Lorena got to narrate it. She got to produce it and tell her own story from her perspective. Um, and when she was doing like press at the time, she was saying like, I know that right now, when people are stuck at home with their abusers, this has got to be a scary time where my story might resonate and I want people to know that they can get help. And she's just so incredible. Like, what a role model. I, oh, she's definitely just on my top five favorite people list. There's also a docuseries on Amazon that I've mentioned a couple times. It's called Lorena. It was produced by um, Jordan Peele. It has four episodes um, and it has interviews with both John and Lorena. She says it's a shame that people took too long to realize that domestic violence is such a huge issue. And she has talked about how the trauma has made her so resilient and how it's made her who she is today. And like, that's true, but it just sucks so bad that she had to go through it and that her story isn't uncommon and that this is something that women go through. And she's just so inspiring. She was going through absolute hell and she did what she had to do. And at what the time she thought it was her only option to end the abuse that was happening to her. And let's be real. There really wasn't that many other options, especially at that time. Like there was no violence against women act. There was no shelters. There was no hotlines. There was no cell phones. She couldn't escape. She had nothing. There was nothing that was there that could have helped her. She opened up that conversation and she continues to use her trauma as a way to help others. And it's just so honorable. Lorena, I love you, girl. I told you guys this one was a doozy. Um, to this day, Lorena is still advocating for victims of domestic abuse and rape. And she is just the most amazing woman. I love her. I know I fangirled about her so much. I'll shut up now. 
Um, as always though, I would love to hear what you think about this case. Um, I mean, I'm not going to agree with you and you're not going to like switch me over, but if you think that John is the victim here, I honestly want to, I honestly just want to talk, like not even in the threatening, like I just want to talk way, but like, I want to know what you think. And if you think more than just, oh, she took her manhood, his manhood away, because obviously I don't think that she should cut off his penis, like just out of nowhere, but where do you think that why do you like why do people think that that wasn't um like she was obviously traumatized and that was the only thing she thought i just i just want to hear the other side because that's how i think and i want to hear the other side of it anyway i'm rambling <laughs> also um if lorena's situation sounded familiar to you or anybody that you know please please know that there is help and there are places that you can go there will be links and resources and phone numbers in the description to this. Please just know that you are worthy of love and make sure that you take care of yourself. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I hope you got enraged and as inspired as I did. It is a roller coaster of emotions today. My stomach just growled so loud. Um, I just love Lorena. Please subscribe and leave a rating and a review if you feel like it. Um, if not, that's fine. I don't care. It would just be really nice if you did. Also, follow the podcast on social media at Truly High Crime. Um, or don't, once again. But I'm going to try to make it fun and exciting and engaging. So I would love it if you come and just hang out with me. Just like you do every Monday. Just do it every day. Um, anyway, have a wonderful rest of your day. And I will be back next week. Bye.